This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Welcome back to the North Stars Pioneer Podcast. This is episode number 19, and we are your hosts. I'm Alex Weldon. And I'm Erica Robertson. If you haven't noticed, after taking a week off, we're excited to be back and thrilled to welcome Sam Talkin back into the show. Sam, our digital business manager in Wisconsin, joined us on the podcast back in June to discuss granular insights and how to make the most of your data. We're excited to dive deeper into granular insights with him today, what you can see on your farm right now with our digital tools, and highlight Corteva's new carbon initiative. Yes, we're excited to be back after a week off and thrilled to be having Sam back on the podcast. But before we dive into our discussion, as always, we're going to provide another quick GDU update. So based off that April 26th planting date, starting to the west in St. Cloud, sitting at 2,239 GDUs, which is tracking about 297 ahead of average. And in the next 14 days, going to be sitting at 2,488 GDUs. Moving on to the east in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, sitting at 2,390 GDUs, which is tracking 351 ahead of average. And then in the next 14 days, projected to be sitting at 2,679 GDUs. And lastly, to the east in Green Bay, Wisconsin, sitting at 2,342 GDUs, tracking 541 ahead of average. And in the next 14 days, going to be sitting at 2,636. So it's crazy to think that we're now in the last week of August. Summer's almost wrapped up, which is hard to believe. Um, Silage harvest is going to be here before we know it, Um, shortly followed by soybeans and then our corn grain. Um, We continue to track way ahead of average as always on GDUs all the way across the geography. And it's, it's going to be an exciting fall. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Erica, for that awesome GDU update. It's crazy to look at those numbers. Um, You know, we've had an awesome growing season. It's exciting. With that, I don't have any walk-up music, but uh, coming in at six foot one, Sam Talkin. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Erica, for having me. Man, it's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. And look at the GDU increase over average that is just tremendous it is pushing this crop fast and we're excited uh for harvest across uh, all of uh wisconsin and and northern minnesota absolutely well again thank you for coming on today could you start us off sam i know we've had you on before back in june but for some of our new listeners could you just briefly go over um your background and your role with corteva absolutely erica Well, my role is a digital business manager. And what I do is when people want to use data to make more decisions, um, they're looking for solutions and services to help them do that. And that is the piece of the business that I focus on for Corteva. And I cover Wisconsin and Northern Minnesota. Awesome. Thank you so much. So Sam, you know, at this point we got We have diseases coming in, whether it's corn leaf disease on uh, northern or gray leaf spot, tar spot, what have you. Soybeans, we're dealing with some white mold. What are we able to see at this point uh, of the growing season with granular insights? Yes, great question, Alex. 
I think one of the the most powerful features that that we have is being able to pair field observations um, that are derived from analyzing imagery. And even if you're out there looking at fields, um, even taking a note of what's happening is really important as we get into this fall and winter when we're making decisions for years to come. So when we, um, what we're seeing right now, been out in fields uh, throughout this last week um, and the week prior and seeing Northern corn leaf blight um, in definitely areas, especially in Northwest Wisconsin, uh, we have white mold that's exploding as well. A lot of those areas um, are indicative of what's gonna happen in the future. So take white mold, for instance, I want to be able to document and see when that disease is taking place because that sclerotia that can live in the soil for up to eight years, I actually think could be even a little bit longer. Um, we're going to have a healthier population of that fungi and the ability to have white mold if conditions persist in future years. So for, for instance, if we are able to categorize where that white mold is happening and take some notes and understand that, um, we're taking things a step further and being able to analyze, okay, this is where we should have seeding rates um, for these heavy white mold areas, and we can do a variable rate seeding um, prescription, or at the very least, let's make sure that we just um, manage those seeding rates across that field um, in addition to what variety um, we're placing on those fields. And that's all going to help when we're diagnosing and um, being able to look at prior years when we're looking at those diseases. So I just implore you guys to really dive into specific areas and make sure you take notes um, and granular insights is a great way to do that digitally and be able to record that year after year and look at those, those issues. Absolutely, no, thank you so much, Sam, for talking us through how we can utilize granular insights to you know, be able to scout in season and identify what kind of potential threats we could have on our current crop. Kind of diving a little more into that, you know, we've touched on diseases now. What about nutrient deficiencies? I know with we've had varying amounts of rainfall throughout um, the geography, some having, you know, upwards of six, seven inches at once. Can you talk to us about how we can maybe utilize granular to pick up different deficiencies, particularly nitrogen? Yes. So, Erica, when we get into some of our paid services, we what we've been using is since 2014 is a nitrogen model. And we've iterated that um, throughout the year since 2014 to further enhance and be able to pick up on that spatial and temporal variability that's within a field. So we know what different zones and how they react from what's in the soil to how the crop is growing. And we can model where nitrogen is within the soil and for instance, as we get into this time of year, I've been looking at a lot of fields and especially after a three, four inch rain event or even more, we're pushing that nitrogen further down in that soil profile, pushing it past where our roots are. Now for most of our soils, I would say that the majority of the root mass is within the top 24 inches. Um, and we'll take a look at what that 24 inches are and what kind of nitrogen we have within that 24 inches. So if we have a three, four inch rain event or even more, um, that could push five, six, seven pounds below, depending on the soil type, sandier more 
um, a heavier textured soil that'll lock in that nutrients and now to allow for that mobility will um, be less. So when we take a look at how nitrogen is moving and our crop needs, what's really important is even taking a look at 20 years ago in hybrids, we may have only taken up or needed 20% of our nitrogen needs post-tassel. So on a 200 bushel crop, 40 pounds of nitrogen was only needed. Now we're closer to 40% of our nitrogen needs are, are needed post-tassel. So take a look at that 200 bushel crop, that's 80 pounds of nitrogen that were needed. So even where we're sitting today and looking at the model, we're still looking at taking up another 20, 30 pounds, depending on where that crop is in its development and when it was planted. But this is important to really understand of, hey, if, if I can know where my soil level nitrogen is at, um, I can't make any decisions right now, but we were making decisions weeks prior. And what we're doing is confirming that those areas um, would have needed it or, hey, this is something that we need to look at in the future for additional applications. It's kind of like the best analogy that I can describe is, so with a lot of modern day vehicles, before it was, you know what, I need to get an oil change after X amount of months and X amount of miles. And that's what I always did. Well, modern vehicles are like, I will tell you when I need an oil change. I just got one yesterday. So this is top of mind. What we can do is on the nitrogen model, it's like, well, we can see how long we can push some of those applications so that we get the most bang for our buck. And if you look at fertilizer prices, I would say this is, this is very top of mind. I was talking about nitrogen there, but we could go as far as um, potash, DAP, um, your lime costs, all of that. When we start looking at where those nutrients are needed, let's make sure they get placed where they need to be. But just keep in mind right now, our, or our crop still needs nitrogen. And if you're seeing firing from the bottom, it would be worth a discussion of what, what could we do in the future and how can we really be able to know what could happen um, historically, as well as what we should do for a nitrogen plan going forward. So I just encourage you to reach out to your Pioneer sales rep or um, your trusted advisor to, to talk about what kind of solutions are available, whether it's a model or just better using, better using nitrogen. Awesome analogy, Sam. I really enjoyed that. You know, as you think of, like you said, prices going up and and how do we utilize those groceries at the critical time of that growing season? And um, you know, what an awesome tool to, to do that, you know, and, and fill in that, those kernels. Uh, right now, a lot of our stuff is, is dough and some in dent, you know, so packing on that starch, filling those kernels, um, having the right groceries after tassel to, to continue that crop and to, and to fill it off. So. What so Alex, I would just add, like, so we had a grower that was, did variable rate on those same fields in 2019. So we were back in that rotation in corn and 2019 was definitely a wetter year and compared to what we had in 2020, 2021, excuse me. So with that, we were reducing our application rates by 50 pounds just because we were not leaching as much nitrogen and it was just so drastic of when we can start factoring in that weather it's not just hey I apply 200 pounds of nitrogen because that's what I've always done 
it's like, okay, let's, let's try to use some of the information that we have available. Um, and the model does a great job of putting together more than 100 different variables to figure out where nitrogen's at so that we can at least use that as a piece of our decision to go out there with more. So in that case, we are reducing nitrogen applications this year in 2021 by 50 pounds. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that's gonna that's gonna perk some ears here with with the future uh, prices that we're seeing. So excellent, you know. And with and with that, you know, um, packing on starch, half of our tons come from the ear. Silage is right around the corner, and once silage is off, guys start thinking about cover crops or getting that weed in the ground, and that rolls us right into the to the next topic of conversation, Sam. Um, we can talk briefly on it, and we could probably have a whole nother another podcast on, on just carbon alone. But let's talk carbon initiative uh, with Corteva and, and let our listeners kind of get a, an insight of what we're looking forward to. Yep. So I, I always like to start from scratch as far as discussing what really carbon is. Why has this become so, so important, especially recently? It's, it's been around for a while. But there's increased demand on our corporations, um, as well as as a society, to really reduce our carbon footprint. So we obviously um, need energy to produce a lot of the products that we have grown to love. Um, but as far as the society and environmental concerns, we're trying to figure out, hey, how can we offset that and improve um, our environment as much as possible? So corporations are really interested in offsetting the carbon that they're producing with um, being able to say, hey, I've helped improve a practice. And what we are looking at is in agriculture, hey, we've helped improve a practice that can sequester more carbon into the soil which translates to payments to farmers, which is really exciting of, hey, if I can improve practices, I can receive a payment. Now, I will say right from the get-go, any sort of carbon payment that you're looking at needs to make agronomic sense first and foremost. And there's a lot of benefits to reducing tillage as well as applying cover crops. That has to be your primary driver because the payments right now are in that five to twenty dollars there is talk that it could go even higher than that but for instance if if that payment is only even at the high side twenty dollars um does that justify all the new equipment and the necessary needs to manage that crop differently um i would say not but when we pair that with agronomic information and and knowledge of what can happen to that soil and why those benefits are so prevalent. Well, this is a nice add-on um, on top of that. So really at Corteva, what we try to do is make it as simple as possible of um, reducing tillage is gonna be one of the most highest value and you get paid by how much carbon you actually sequester. So ours is we can look at, um, different models as well as soil tests to really figure out how much carbon is sequestered as well as how things have changed over time. So really what we wanna do is what practices are you considering on the field? And then we'll run some soil samples that are at no cost to the grower. We log information in granular insights 
um, to track and be able to verify what happened in the past versus going forward. Those credits get verified with the information that you have. And then there's a payment that you receive um, as a part of that. So basically there's, there's a lot of pieces that, hey, what were your practices before and discussions there? I really encourage you to reach out to your Pioneer sales rep, um, territory manager, field agronomist, or directly to myself. And we can have that discussion of, is carbon right for you? What would possibly be some of the, the benefits and, and, and challenges and figure out, hey, what, what could make the most sense for your operation in those specific acres? So I highly encourage you to look at it and it could be another revenue source for your operation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam, for the overview of kind of our Corteva's new carbon initiative. I'm sure many growers will have questions. So like you mentioned, just please reach out to your local Pioneer sales representative or um, anybody within, within the company to be happy to point you in the right direction and get you the information we need. And Erica, I would say a great place to start. I always like to look things up on websites before I really dive into it. Go to, go to uh, corteva.com slash carbon and start reading up on it and you can really get a good feel for what the program is. Great call out. Awesome. Well, Sam, unfortunately, our time with you is wrapping up today. There's so much we could talk to you about and we are excited to have you on in episodes to come to talk about, you know, more dive into carbon and as well as we didn't even touch on the analysis portion of Granular Insights. But as we wrap up our discussion today, what is the best way for a grower to get a hold of you? I would say, please feel free to send me an email at sam.tauchen, T-A-U-C-H-E-N, at corteva.com, and I would be happy to have a discussion. Um, if, if you're not in the state of Wisconsin or northern Minnesota, I'd be happy to direct you to um, some of my counterparts across the United States as well. Wonderful. Very good, Sam. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us again today on, on the North Stars Pioneer Podcast. Do you have any closing remarks uh, for our listeners? First off, Alex and Erica, continue to do what you're doing. Uh, great podcast, and I, uh, I implore you for what you've been able to accomplish. I would say just make sure that um, my biggest thing is quality data, and the best way to get that is starting with Harvest right here. Make sure you're calibrating your combine um, early and often uh, to stay accurate. There's obviously ways to do that with a post calibration, but just to give some, some kind of context of, especially when moisture continues to change throughout the year, if it's changing by more than two and a half percent, I would strongly encourage you to recalibrate. And that will really allow you to stay within a 5% or less tolerance of what that actual yield is. Um, obviously, more the better, but I would definitely encourage you at the, at the minimum, every um, two and a half points of moisture change uh, to calibrate your combine as you're going through harvest. And, and again, if, you, if there's any questions that people have, just don't be afraid to keep asking these questions with, how do I use data and how do I uh, help better my operation um, with the information that I have? 
Great call out. Thank you, Sam. Well, with that, thank you again for being here today. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the North Stars Pioneer Podcast. Reminder to rate and review the podcast. Tell us what you want to hear. Share with a farmer friend and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pioneer Agronomy Podcast, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.